The scripture for today is going to be Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 11. And it says, My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk blamelessly, guarding the paths of justice and preserving the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Prudence will watch over you, and understanding will guard you. So this week we are finishing up our sermon series um, called Serenity. It's four ways to deal with anxiety. And um, this, in, in, um, to sort of talk about it in general, has been actually a sermon series on wisdom. Uh, we have framed this sermon series out of the uh, book of Proverbs, which is a, a book that is known as wisdom literature, and and uh, though we've called it serenity because we are also looking at a line of the um, serenity prayer week after week, it is really a book about wisdom. Um, wisdom being one of the primary um, identities in ancient Near Eastern uh, culture and understanding, like to be wise is to be like, um, like holy and and uh, righteous, um, and so this has been a series about wisdom. The question then, begin, uh, then um, becomes, how do we get wisdom, right? Uh, what does wisdom look like? And finally, since it's about anxiety, what does it have to do with anxiety, right? Um, so before we dive into some of those questions, I want to invite you to say this prayer. It is a prayer that we've been saying every week. It is a prayer that over... Um, over the last 50 years has, has um, been prayed in the halls of AA and NA and many other recovery programs. It is a prayer that has the potential to change your life. Um, so I invite you to say this prayer with me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So we have been looking at a line of this prayer every week, and today we look at this last line, God grant me the wisdom to know the difference. And the difference that we're talking about is the difference between accepting the things I cannot change and, ex and changing the things that I have the human capacity to change. That is wisdom, right? Learning how to navigate and decide and discover what that is. So I've been thinking about wisdom a lot, and um, I've been thinking about like ideas and images that we have of wisdom in pop culture and literature, and some of the things that come to my mind are the wise old owl, right? Yeah? That's a wise character, right? And um, like maybe a wise old Buddhist monk, right? That's, that's wise. Or a shaman. Um, I recently read uh, the book Rainbow Fish. Has anybody read this bestseller of a children's? Yes. Um, it, uh, the wise old octopus, right? And I was thinking about what do these things have in common? Like what, what is it about these characters?
characters or these images, and I realized that, well, first of all, they're all old, right? And so with wisdom, there, there's this understanding that there's age, right? And secondly, they're slow and steady, right? Never have I seen in any sort of children's book or illustration or image of like a squirrel or a chipmunk that's wise, right? <laughs> right? Because they're too busy being impulsive and messing around in anybody's business. Um, it's, the, it's the creatures that are sort of slow and steady, that have this discernment of being able to discern of acting or, or accepting, right? Um, so, so wise, uh, wisdom is old and not impulsive. And I would agree with this definition uh, that we see in popular, popular culture, but I think that also um, as Christians, as people that um, go to scripture as a way to fuel and feed and understand this world, um, I would add one more piece to this definition of wisdom. Besides being old and um, still, um, it is this understanding that we fear God, right? It is this understanding that the foundation of who we are is God and God's people, and that our wisdom comes from knowing God and being connected, tethered to God, okay? So, um, Wisdom is foundational, but it's foundational because it comes from God, right? The Bible um, places wisdom as a central role. So I said already we're reading from the book of, of wisdom, uh, the book of Proverbs. We're reading from wisdom literature, which is part of that is the book of Proverbs. This idea that when we are connected to God, we can become wise. So you hear um, in the scripture today, uh, in a rather large definition, uh, this idea that wisdom comes from God. I want to point you to Proverbs 9.10, since we're looking at wisdom. And that actually says, um, really succinctly, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So Proverbs 9.10 says what this says in five verses, right? But for the Lord gives wisdom. You see it right there, right? So wisdom comes from ourselves. No, from God, okay? Um, so we tune our ears to wisdom and to understanding because we fear the Lord. I want to unpack that word fear for a second. I know we talked about it a couple of we weeks ago, but fear is not about being afraid of something um, in, the, in the sense that we, we understand. A couple of, uh, earlier this week I was in Home Depot, and I was pushing, because it's the best place ever to hang out, <laughs> and... Uh, because I was getting ready for our fall party, which you guys are all going to come to, right? Um, and I was pushing the cart, and Ruby, my three-year-old, was sitting in the place where the kids sit for safety. And um, every time we came to the front section of the store, they, they already have Halloween decorations out. And so there's all these animated witches that are, like, moving around and goblins, and they're cackling and hooing. And, and she's like, what is that? And she's, like, trying to cover her eyes, so I'm trying to push the and cover her eyes and not bump into anything. That's fear, right? She was afraid of, of a ghost or of a witch. That's not the kind of fear that we're talking about. We're talking about a fear that is about catching a glimpse of the greatness and the vastness and the mystery and wonder and awe of God, right? 
And so when we catch a glimpse of that, it can bring us to our knees in fear, but it also propels us to dive deeper into it. So that's the fear of the Lord that I'm talking about. Um, so th this fear of the Lord, it is the beginning point of wisdom. It is the beginning to seeking and finding and navigating through our life, grounded in someone much bigger, much bigger than the anxieties that we carry, much bigger than the fears that we have in our life. Um, and as we begin this journey of grounding ourselves into this mystery and vastness of God, we gain understanding and knowledge and integrity, as the scripture passage says. We grow in wisdom. Wisdom then begins with God, and it increases when we commit to the journey and discernment that allows wisdom to live in our hearts. So the longer we're at this Christian journey, the more wise we become. That's where that wise old image comes from, right? The longer we're at this Christian journey, the wiser we become. I actually happen to think, though, that if you dive in, even if you're young, you've also heard the expression, wise beyond your years. I think that maybe diving into this, this journey of faith can cause you to be wise beyond your years, but it takes time. I gotta say, though, it is hard in this fast-paced society when you can be an Amazon Prime member and decide to buy something and get it within an hour, right? It used to be like two days was great, and then like the second day was great, and now an hour, it's really hard to wait on wisdom to come, right? It's hard to be like, oh yeah, I can just wait for 20 years to be like, to dive in and know God fully and to be wise. That's a really hard message to receive, right? Um, so a couple of years ago, Monica and I were up on vacation in Fish Bay, Wisconsin. And we were like looking at the shops and things and, and we happened to see this like olive oil specialty store. Have you guys ever been in one of those? They, there's actually one up in Andersonville. So after I tell you the story, you can go up there if you're hungry. Um, the olive oils were just amazing, and we were trying, like, olive oil that had been soaked in lemon rind, and it tasted like lemon and garlic and basil and all of these flavors. And we were like, oh, we're going to get this bottle and this bottle. And our lips were shiny from trying all of the different oils. Um, and as we were, like, ready to check out, the salesperson did what any good salesperson would say. He said, oh, have you tried our balsamic vinegars? And I thought, oh, yeah, balsamic. Um, I, I have a $5 bottle of Trader Joe's balsamic in my cabinet, and I use it to make salad dressing. Sure, I'll try some balsamic vinegar. So we tried this gingered pear first. He put a little in a cup. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. He said, oh, if you like that, try this raspberry. It's really good, too. So get another sample. Wow a completely different flavor, and the depth of that flavor was just incredible. And then we tried currant, and we tried blueberry, and we, you know, all of these varieties of balsamic. And as we were trying them, I was asking him about the process to make balsamic vinegar. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, balsamic vinegar, like the real stuff, not my bottle of Trader Joe's that's in my cabinet, uh, is, it, it, it is a uh, Trevino grapes, 
the juice that has been boiled down about 50% in volume. So that takes a while. And then they take it and they put it in a, a barrel, uh, maybe oak. And it, they put it in there and they add some old balsamic vinegar to it to help the fermentation process begin. And then it sits in that barrel for a year. And then they take the, the balsamic that's in there, it's, it's decreased in volume a little more, and they put it in another barrel. Maybe this time it's cherry wood. And it sits in there for another year. And then they move it to another barrel. Maybe it's uh, Acadia wood this time. And it decreases in volume for another year. Did you know that like the, the standard, it, it can be good after two or three years, but the standard for balsamic vinegar is to age for 12 years. 12 years. And the good stuff, like it can go to 18 years. It can go to 25 years. Let me just tell you my favorite was the 25-year aged balsamic. I have good taste. <laughs> 25 years. In this age of startup businesses, you write a business plan, and you say, I'm going to sell this product, and by this time I'll be selling it, and I'll make this money. Can you imagine writing a business plan that says, yes, I'll have a product for you after 12 years? And the good stuff, the good stuff, will be available in year 18 and 25. Nobody would approve that business plan. It's foolish. And yet that is what God is inviting us into in this journey of faith. A foolish 25-year-plus business plan of aging and mellowing and absorbing the, the wood the cherry wood, the oak wood. That's what this invitation to wisdom is about. It's about long-term process waiting and waiting and waiting, distilling down. So I guess the first question I have for you is, where are you in this process? Are you in year one? maybe year five, maybe you're at day 10 in this process. One thing I do know is that you are where you need to be and that you start where you are. Maya Angelou, a wise, wise scholar and poet, said, I did then what I knew how to do. Now that I know better, I do better. Right? So we work with what we got. We're brand new at this thing. That's great. If we've been sitting in bad wood <laughs> and we're ready to be transferred into something new, that's great. If we've been at this 25 years, that's great. The other thing I know is that um, this is supposed to be a sermon series on anxiety and decreasing it. And so it's possible that you're listening to this message and you're like, oh my gosh, Brittany, I don't even know where to begin. I see what I'm supposed to be and here's where I am and I don't know how to get there and I'm feeling anxiety just thinking about my Christian walk, right? And I will say to you, I have felt that too. I sometimes look around and I think, 
I'm supposed to have it all together. I get up there and preach every week for people, but I'm not disciplined enough in my spiritual life. I'd like to do this more in my spiritual life. I'd like to know this more. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough, right? And then in prayer, in desperation of prayer, I'm reminded that I'm where I need to be. And you are too. I'm reminded that God tells me to have the courage to change the things I can, right? Change some of those disciplines in my life. And accept the things I cannot change. Accept that I'm where I am, right? So you are where you need to be. And that if you rest in that, God will increase your capacity for wisdom and openness to this Christian journey. The other thing I know is that this Christian journey, this life of faith, this seeking wisdom, is best done in community. Raise your hand if you're in a small group. Yeah. Some of you guys know that. Raise your hand if you're leading a small group. Uh, Raise up your little sign there. Folks, if you didn't raise your hand, find some of these people after worship. Find a small group to get into. I'm going to shamelessly plug my small group, Starting Point. Um, it starts today after worship. It's a six-week small group. Um, and at the end of it, you won't know everything, but you'll maybe found some community of people to do life together and do small group together. So important, small groups. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, small groups are important. To end our time together today, we've been giving everybody um, tools. So four ways to decrease anxiety. We've been giving meditative spiritual practices. Uh, Remember, we did the breath prayer, breathing in the spirit of God, breathing out our anxiety. Um, We also did the prayer of Ignatian, the prayer of examine. One week we did the body prayer, you know, which you guys are getting to practice a lot this week with the <laughs> praying. We did uh, lighting candles, and this week I want to introduce you to the labyrinth. You'll see in your flyer um, something that looks like a little maze. I invite you to pull that out. When I was in college, uh, I was first introduced to the labyrinth. It is um, it is an ancient practice. Many people like to go on spiritual journeys, right? Um, journeys to spiritual sites, to, to uh, pilgrimages, right? But um, those are usually only available or afforded to people, particularly when we lived in agrarian society. You can't really take time off work. The crops need to be tended, right? Um, so it was really only available to the wealthy to travel and take spiritual pilgrimages. The labyrinth was created so that everyone could have the opportunity to take a journey of faith. Um, even if it was through their fingers or their feet um, in, a, in a small pattern. I will also say um, there's several labyrinths throughout the city, so if you're liking this walk that we're taking with our um, fingers, you can ask me. Um, I guess the Gutierrez aren't, they were here in the first service. I said invite yourself over to the house of the Gutierrez family, and they um, live almost across the street from a really great labyrinth, and I'm sure they'd love to have you over for dinner. Um, or you can bring something to them. Uh, Fourth Presbyterian Church has a labyrinth downtown. There's so many labyrinths in the city. Um, But the idea is it it looks like a maze, but there's really only one entrance and one exit. 
And so as you journey, you're journeying toward the center, which is God, which is serenity, which is wisdom. And uh, when you get there, you get to rest in it, and then you journey back out. So that's the spiritual pilgrimage. Um, one thing, one pattern that I've noticed that has been really significant to me as I've walked the labyrinth is that the time when you, like, you're going in and it's like you're headed straight for the center and then you take a turn and you're far away. So the time when you feel like when you are physically closest to the center, you have the longest point to go in the journey. And the time when you're like, oh, my gosh, this is never going to end. I'm way out here on the outside. You're like a hot, hot second away from being in the center. So that's also something to reflect on in your own journey. I'm going to give you two minutes and I'm going to invite you to just trace your finger around there. But I want to add one practice to it, that breath prayer, breathing in, breathing out. I want you to breathe in the word uh, wisdom, because that's what we're talking about today. And as you exhale, exhale the anxiety that you might be feeling being in this place, or that you might be feeling about the week you have ahead. And I'm just going to invite you at every turn to to breathe in the word wisdom, and to exhale the anxiety that you're feeling. Let us pray. Oh God, our tower of strength, we trust you with our hearts as we attempt to follow your path of wisdom. Grant us the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom, the wisdom to know the difference.